The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports WFS on Owner's Box. Head on over to rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly Fantasy Sports is the best of daily and season long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first time deposit of up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 77. It is the final episode before we have real baseball. Uh, I have one draft that will be done anytime because it's the slowest slow draft on the face of the planet. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pediatric, by the way. And my co-host on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy, I think has one, maybe two. You never know with him. He might throw seven drafts in there still. He's got time. There's time. You can find <laughs> him on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how we doing, man? We're doing well, Bubba. I've got two more drafts. Okay. I've got two more drafts. Uh, I've got a, a main tomorrow night, and then I've also I signed up for an OC in the afternoon. I, I, I had two OCs. I just felt like I just needed the third one. I did the other OCs like three or four weeks ago, and I really wasn't prepared. It was just like to get the feeling going. Yep. And now I feel like I know the player pool a little bit better. Or I have a better Especially sense for the of how I want to build my team. So yeah, twelve team gets different. It's way yeah, different. Yeah, it gets Could frisky. You- you can wait, 12 teamers. You can wait on things and you can still feel good about life, unlike a 15. So 
It's interesting. Yeah. It's yeah, actually just a, just designed to boost my self esteem. Uh, doing the twelve, finish, I'm just finish, show finish the highs. Be like, the high self esteem. Yep, finish high. That's uh, yeah. that's the biggest thing. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited. I I did my last live, I guess, quote unquote, live draft. I did a a daytime satellite today, and um, I told Derek on Sunday, I said, "Hey, can you throw like a daytime one in there this week? I, I guarantee I'll fill it up for you." And he threw it out there. I was like, I want to see to scratch the itch one more time. Like, just give me something because the evenings are unbusy. And it was more of a FOMO draft as I was going. I'm like, I'm going to take this guy because I don't have him yet. And I don't, it's not like a, I don't like the guy, but I'm like, let's see how this fits the roster. And we started doing some things. So we'll see how the team goes. But there's one that I'm, I'm really scared about because I've talked so much trash about him, but it was like the eighth round. And I got a share of Jordan Alvarez in the eighth round. Mm. And I'm like, I'm like, at that point, I'll take the chance that he can do it. But I'm not. I'm not in love with it. I'll tell you that much. But it's. Uh, it's like I said, FOMO draft. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I'm not. It's not the greatest feeling. But uh, yeah. tonight, that's, tonight, that's. Yeah. A, it's. It's interesting. It's an interesting balance, though. Like that fear of missing out is real. You know, yep. like you go into a draft and you're just kind of like, if it's your last draft of the season, that's how you don't want it to come into play. But you're like, I want this player. If you don't have any shares, you're yes. just like, that's what I it was. want to have this player on my team. Like I had my cue, and then like one time I was going around, like, oh, I don't have a Boba Shet share, and I don't like him here. But if he goes off, he's going to be a great player this year. So okay, let's see what happens. Then someone took him like two picks earlier to help me there, and mm-hmm. just little things like that. But like Jordan and a couple others fell, and I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. We'll dance. Let's see what <laughs> happens. But um, it's going to be fun, and it was cool. I guess the I guess one takeaway, and you're going to see it in yours, and you probably already saw it in some, but with like the recent news over the last four or five days and rosters getting finalized seeing where the ADP shifts changed for some players was pretty intense. So that was, right. that was, that was very interesting to see take place, but um, yeah. We'll yeah. And it's, see on it's that. so um, the market is so sensitive, mm-hmm. you know, very much. Um, whether it's injuries or news. I mean, tomorrow's going to be interesting. It seems like today was actually kind of a slow news day. Yeah, you know, like there so. wasn't yeah. any major injuries, no major announcements, maybe some starting pitcher shifting, and that's yeah. going to cause some problems for people who have already drafted as well. I know there's a bunch of guys who were scheduled to pitch first week, yep. and now they're no longer scheduled to pitch first week, which you know can be dicey when you're trying to fit fill in those nine nine pitcher slots. So yep. yeah, it's it's going to be it's it's fascinating to watch this ADP shift. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah, see whether the market's right or not. We will see what happens. But until then, we'll have lots to talk about next week probably. We'll have about a week of baseball in the books. But uh, tonight we'll do bowl predictions. We're going to do five each, and then we have some listener bowl predictions. We'll give our thoughts on those as well. So it'll be uh, an interesting, just kind of fun. The season's over. We put in a lot of uh, a lot of content to get you ready for drafts. So I think you're pretty much where you need to be. Um, so, Toby, what is your first bold prediction? All right. Well, for those who have listened to the podcast, it will be no surprise that I have a strong affinity for Justin Upton this year. Uh, big fan of him. Probably my most, the player that I have the, the most shares of, like non-pitcher. I actually think he might just be overall the guy that I have the most shares of. Um, I just really love what he did towards the end of last year. The playing time landscape in the outfield there has shifted as well, where he's got clear full playing time. He's hitting fifth behind just, um, you know, I mean, really like, could you get in a better fifth spot than hitting behind Trout, Arenado, Otani? Yeah. Um, 
That's just fantastic. So he's in a really good context. He seems to have health on his side. He was mashing during spring. Not that this factors into it. I, I drafted him a bunch, you know, even before that. Um, so my bold prediction for Justin Upton, he's currently outfielder number 69 going in drafts. I am going to predict that Justin Upton, I'm not sure where this puts him within the outfielders, but I'm going to say he's going to hit 250, which is much higher than his projection, which is like 229. He's going to hit 30 home runs, which is eight home runs above his projection currently. And I think the kicker for me, and this is something that we forget that Justin Upton used to be able to do, is steal bases. And I'm going to go with 10 stolen bases this year. He stole two bases during spring, which tells me the man is, I'm going to use, the man is frisky right now. He's ready. (laughs) He's nimble. You don't oftentimes think of Justin Upton Upton as nimble, but he is nimble. So I think he's going to finish at 250 with 30 home runs and 10 stolen bases, which from your outfield are about 70. You know, I think that gets him in maybe the outfield or 30 conversation. So I think that's about where he'll finish. But I think he's going to be a huge boon for teams that stepped up to the plate and drafted him this year. Yep, I love it. I have him in a lot of places. I actually took him today in that draft we're talking about. So I'm, I'm a big fan of his, and he's not even one of my technically starting outfielders. He's just sitting there because, yeah, fun times. So I'm with you there. I, I like Upton quite a bit. Uh, my first one, and I'm going to do a shameless plug, if I did a 10-pack at Roto Baller for bold predictions. So I'm giving you five of them here. So if you want them all, go check that out. But um, my first one I'm going to talk about, we mentioned him in the Shares uh, podcast last week. I've talked about him a ton. Marcus Stroman who let me uh, be a professional here and tell you where he's going in NFBC right now. And at the pitching position, he's the 58th pitcher. I am not dissecting how many relievers are there at pick 160, (laughs) the 58th reliever. Let's just say the 45th starting pitcher. I'm just going to throw a guess out there. I got Marcus Stroman finishing as a top 20 fantasy starting pitcher this year. So I am, uh, I am very, very big on Marcus Stroman. I've, I've planted my flag on Marcus Stroman. I think I have him, in like by 75% of my leagues this year. I love everything about the guy. I, I really think if he didn't take last season off, he's at least like a being drafted in the 30 to 35 range like he used to be. Heavy ground ball guy. The defense has improved behind him with Lindor and company. Um, the strikeout rates improved when he came over to the National League to the Mets. There's no DH to worry about, which is going to be nice. He's developed that new split change, which has been absolutely filthy this spring. And I've said it before, and people kind of laugh because you can't find it on Savant or anything. But the dude's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's wanting to prove people wrong this year. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, I, I, I reference his World Baseball Classic performance. I was on TV the other night, and I just watched it. And the dude's a bulldog. Like, it's crazy. When he gets mad, he's just out there. And he's like, don't, he had like a no-no going through six in the World Baseball Classic Championship. So I'm not saying he's going to do that. But top 20 SP, Marcus Stroman this year. And I hope so because my teams will love that. Huh. Yeah, I think that's a great shout because – if he improves, like he's already there on the ratios pretty much, mm-hmm. but if he improves that strikeout rate, like you mentioned, and there's reason to believe he can because the NL, as you mentioned, and that new new pitch of his, um, you know, that's going to help the whip already, you know, fewer balls in play, help the ratios a little bit more. So I think that's a, a fantastic prediction. I, I don't think I've drafted him at all, Bubba, because I have other players I like well, when, going in that range, going, but maybe yeah. in my fear of missing out draft. <laughs> which I have tomorrow night. I will. I will. He goes go around. He goes like around one ninety to two hundred. So yeah, just keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I've got my 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 eye on it. 
There you go. What's your number two? Number two, I actually have a number of outfield. There's a lot of uh, outfielders that I really like a lot this year. Um, so the next one for me is going to be Ramon Laureano, um, who has been a favorite of mine throughout the season. You know, as I mentioned before, I think he's just uh, kind of fallen victim to the shortened season uh, or the short season last year and the way that underlying skills can really be, um, you know, they can be muddied by the, by the performance that we see. So he improved across the board in terms of quality of contact, um, in terms of his plate skills as well. Everything was better, but the results were worse. And it seemed like he was just starting to warm up. He had a few home runs those last couple weeks of the season. He really seemed like he was starting to get going um, before he, um, you know, before the season ended. And so injuries are always an issue with him as well, you know, just because of the way he plays. He plays out all out all the time. But this is the year he's going to be healthy for a full season. We've seen in the two other seasons before 2020, he hit 288 in both of those seasons. So the batting average can be there. So my bold prediction is that uh, Ramon Laureano, currently outfielder 34, will be a top 15 outfielder hitting – above 280 with 30 home runs and 15 stolen bases. So a 30-15 season for Laureano with a batting average above 280. His projection right now is like 248 for the batting average. Home run projection is 24 and stolen base projection is 12. So... That's what I'm going with. And something you'll notice, I don't like to make I don't like to make outlandish bold predictions. I'll be I here like for that. Make, don't worry. I'll be here I for like that. I like to make incremental <laughs> bold predictions. I like hey. to make within reason bold predictions. So that probably isn't as fun, but that's what I'm that's like if Loriano does that, then then it'll be beautiful. Well, yeah, and, and your predictions, if they do what they're going to do, they're going to win you fantasy leagues because you don't need them to go – like, obviously, if the dude went 40-25, it's going to be amazing. But just a little bump, if he does that, like three other guys do that, you're going to be fine. Like, you're not shooting for the moon. You're shooting for, like, a handful of your team to inc- improve, and then you're going to be golden. So that's uh, that's one way to look at it because, you know, some guys talk about, well, I want this guy to be, you know, the next best thing. That's cool. He could be, but let's be realistic, like you said. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm with you. And most of mine are kind of boring, but I have one that I'm going to throw here. I should have probably saved this one for the end because I have gotten a lot of flack for this one, but Ooh. we are we are standing ground I'm here, here to support you afterwards. Well, we'll see. Um, we're standing ground here, but I have Victor Robles outperforms Luis Robert this season. Wow. From a fantasy perspective, let's remember that, people. So, like, if you went to the player raider at the end of the year from Rasball. Mm. Victor Robles will finish ahead of Lou Bob. And the biggest thing for me, and I'm buying into it, and maybe I get screwed on this one eventually, if Victor Robles leads off this season, you know, the projection sites have him for 17, like 15 to 17 homers, 25-ish stolen bases. Well, back in 2019, he had 17 homers, still 28, and uh, hit 255, only scored 86 runs. If he leads off, he's scoring well over 100 runs in that lineup because I – one of my bold predictions we will not talk about involves Juan Soto, so go check that one out. But if Juan Soto does what I think he's going to do, um, Robles scores well over 100 runs. I think if he's leading off, he steals over 35 bases, if not 40. Like Him and Trey Turner might combine for 
80 to 90 steals. Like, really realistically, it could happen. So I think between the, the run totals, the stolen base totals, and if he hits for 250 to 260, which he's pretty much done most of his career in the minor leagues, his OBP has actually been pretty strong, much better than Lou Bob, who likes to swing and miss a ton. He's not hitting towards the top of the order like we hoped he would. Um, with Eloy outs moving him up to fifth, potentially, which could help him a little bit. But at one point when I wrote this article, he was projected to hit like sixth or seventh, which was a really drain on his fantasy production. So I'm going with Victor Robles outperforms Luis Robert. And a lot of people think I'm absolutely insane mm-hmm. with this one, which I understand. But give me Victor, who is actually, let me check. I have their pages up right now. Victor is going to be 24 in May. And Lou Bob is going to be 24 in August. So they're basically the same age. One's got a lot more experience in the major leagues. So give me Victor Robles outperforming Lou Bob. Mm, Interesting. I can definitely see how it could happen because I think Robles, I mean, projection wise, I think uh, Robert's got uh, Robert Robert's projected for a higher batting average, but I can't quite get behind the two fifty one at this point in time. So and you could see where Robles, you know, maybe he bumps that up to 250, 260. Uh, Robert hits the back end of that batting average projection, which you mentioned is going to hurt his OBP, which is already bad. So the stolen bases bases don't happen as frequently. You know, Lou Bob uh, or Robert could, could hit, um, you know, 25 home runs, but Robles could easily hit 20 as well. So mm-hmm. I can definitely see how it happens. And then more, runs for sure at the top of that lineup so. at, at worst it's gonna be a lot closer than people think especially people drafting at 32 and 82 right now so yeah it'll be a lot closer by the end of the season yeah robles is moving up moving up fast yep. um he's definitely somebody who you know in some of my drafts was going early fifth round um in some of the main events that i was in so um need for speed yes um, sir. awesome all right well i'm going to interrupt the out the um well, you already did Stroman. I guess I'll interrupt my own uh, pitcher because I, I or hitter bold predictions. I have um, I have five bold predictions. Four of them are hitters, so right in the middle. I'm gonna kind of squeeze in here. So my bold prediction is that Drew Smiley, who right now is SP, so starting pitcher sixty four, is a top thirty starting pitcher this year the reasons I believe this while it was a small sample size last year the thing that I always look for with dramatic changes in pitcher performance are reasons why 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 did Drew Smiley have a 17% swinging strike rate over his last four starts why would this happen All of a sudden, just boom. Well, his velocity increased dramatically. So his velocity from the left side, uh, he was sitting like 93 at the end of last year. So about up about two miles per hour, maybe even a little bit higher than that. That velocity seems to. Now, I don't know if he's pitched at a stat cast park, but what I have heard is that he's sitting about 93 so far. His challenge will be volume. I agree with people. He could be more efficient. However, he has that. He's got the filthy curveball that he throws. His forcing is highly effective. And so I think you're going to get 
a 3-5 ERA or lower. I think you're going to get a 1-2, uh, 1.2 whip or lower. And I think you're going to get about 10 strikeouts per nine, which will make him an incredibly valuable fantasy producer. And he's on the Braves, who have a fairly solid bullpen, a very good offense. So I think he could be helped out with the wins. So Drew Smiley is going to be my one starting pitcher bold prediction for the show tonight. I'm glad you did it because this is your guy. You went to bat for him, so you had to have the prediction. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We talked about it before. You nailed the, my only concern with him is innings. If he can do the innings, we're in. But I, I, have, I, you believe it much more than I do. So we'll see. But, hey, he looked good in his last spring outing. So we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see. Very, very, very possible. Uh, and Justin Mason over there, we're weighing in with the shocking for the bold prediction. And now Justin Mason is doing a little reconnaissance here. Yes. In the bold predictions, because Justin and I are going. I heard there's a draft, right? To head tomorrow, main event. Justin at pick eight, me at pick 11. It's on. Man, you got a lot of later picks this year. You got uh, the 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 KDS did not like you. It you, like- you know, it's weird in 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 draft champions leagues. I got a lot of late KDS. Yeah. Um. In in my drafts na- this year, uh, I got like all. I didn't get any at the very top, but I got all between like three and nine. <laughs> um. And then I have this eleven like hanging out here, so I have no idea what I'm doing. Honestly, like Lucas, just, like I have no Julio. idea what that side of the draft looks like. I'm just. Lucas Gilito, just do it. You'll be happy later. Yeah. Um, it's a little early, but it's good. My third bold prediction, and when again, when I wrote this, they were much farther apart in ADP, but um, I have Nick Senzel, quote-unquote, will be the new Trent Grisham come draft season next year. Uh, the guy that everyone was in love with because he's hitting towards the top of an order and he hits you know potentially 20 homers and 20 steals and blah, 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 blah. That's why everybody liked uh, Trent Grisham. And Trent Grisham's good, don't get me wrong, but – Right now, his ADP is 89. Nixon Zell is 146. When I wrote this, it was 70 and like two something. So it was a much bigger gap. So it seemed more bold. But literally, both these guys, projection wise, you got Sinzel, you know, 17 to 19 homers, 17 ish stolen bases, hitting 250 or so. Grisham's 20 and 15, hitting 250. So in reality, we're like literally kind of weighing things side by side. Sinzel's, it's never been a question of his production, it's been more of a question about can he stay healthy? And, you know, that's always been the thing. We saw, we've even seen in the spring, he's hitting the snot out of the baseball when he's when he's been out there. So if he can play every day in center field, I think he plays 140 games. Let's not even say every day. Give me 140 games in Nixon Zell. He's 20-20 for me. And in that, especially in that ballpark, that offense should still be pretty decent. Um, they haven't really – I haven't seen the peg where they're actually going to put him. If they put him to, like, second or third, I'd be pumped. But I'm guessing, like, sixth will be where he's at. But uh, I still think that leaves a lot of RBI production, a lot of power, and he's going to be able to run because he's got no one behind him. So they're going to have to produce runs that way because all the big boys are in front of him. So I got Sinzel outperforming Grisham. Plus, Grisham's got that hamstring. So I'm just going to say it's going to limit some things. Lingering injury. Just think about it. So Sinzel, this time next year, Sinzel will be the new Trent Grisham that everyone wants to take, you know, late round two or early round three because of the massive upside. So give me Nick Sinzel. Yeah, and I think that's one key thing. I mean, the whole idea of the bold predictions, too, you know, um, 
I mean, I think for me is to be useful in a way as well, right? Is to kind of, is to plant your flag in some ways, but then also to just, um, you know, I think there's clear things in, in the way, in the guys we're talking about, right? Like with Senzel, the skills are there, right? It's just a matter of health. And where you're getting them in drafts, I mean, Senzel is a little different now, but when you wrote the article, he was going much later on. Yeah. You know, um, it's really about health, right? It's like Justin Upton. If we did, did the, if I'd done my prediction three years ago, it would have been Justin Upton's going to do what he's always done, you know? And so the skills are there for the guys that we're talking about. And it's just a matter of, of getting healthy. And if they're not healthy, given where they're going in drafts, it's still not going to hurt you that much. Um, so love that. Love that call as well. All right. Um, for me, my fourth one, again, for folks who have paid attention to the podcast will come as no surprise. I am. I'm an open book. All right. I'm a book. I'm open. I've got my competitors for tomorrow night in the chat commenting right now, you know, scared out of their, out of their minds. Um, right, Justin. Um, but no, my bold prediction will be that uh, Gregory Polanco will be the best Gregory that's drafted this year. No, I'm just kidding. Um, whenever I start, I say, start saying Gregory Polanco, I say Gregory Soto. Um, Gregory Polanco, who is right now outfielder 83, will be a top 40 outfielder with a batting average of 240, 35 home runs, 35 home runs, 35, 35 home runs and 10 stolen bases for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now he will finish the season with 35 RBI and 35 (laughs) runs because it'll be the only runs that the Pirates score all year long. But he will still do that, and he will still help your fantasy team. Um, but, no, I love Soto. I mean, if you look at the way he was hitting the ball last year, it's Polanco, absolutely incredible. Polanco. He, you said Polanco. Soto again. I say? You did Soto I again. I said Soto again. Oh! <laughs> oh! There's so many Polancos. There's so many Gregories. Like, I don't even know what to do. Um, no, but I think Gregory Polanco, he mashes the ball. And the one adjustment he's got to do is he's got to stay healthy, number one. And he's got to make contact more often. And he hasn't had these same contact issues throughout his career. And so I think he, I don't think he's going to get back to where he used to be, but there was a good article today uh, from the pirates and the, about the pirates and the athletic, you know, Sarah, Sarah's contributed to it. Um, but where they were just talking about, you know, we're, we don't want to get him back to where he was with his strikeout rate. We just need to get him down to 25, 26%. Um down from 37% or whatever is that over this shortened season. But if you look at even his rolling average graph over the, over the last, last year, he started to improve that contact rate. So I feel like he will get there. Uh, Justin, Justin asked, why do you like injured guys? So the, the, the thing is Justin be, likes be to snarky. draft. Be snarky. Be snarky here. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna be snarky. Yeah. Okay, good. Justin <laughs> likes to draft injured guys high up in the draft. I like to draft injured guys with high upside later in drafts where they don't actually hurt you. 
And Beautiful. I also am selective in drafting those injured guys. Beautiful. Thank you. you know? I, was, I, was so hoping, like, I was hoping you were going to bring out the teeth. I was hoping. Thank you. I know. I mean, like, <laughs> and the thing is, too, I mean, Justin is notorious for drafting the main event team that's totally injured. And what does he do in his first main event draft? He drafts Zach Gallon. <laughs> but it, I mean, come on, people. <laughs> It's too good. Too good. I, I, I might have to just jump into Justin's live stream when he does the main event and just rattle his cage just, just to have some fun with it. Um, I love see what, Justin. See what happens. Justin knows that, I hope. Oh, he knows that. He knows that. He's he's a, he's, he's more thick-skinned than pretty much any of us, so it's all good there. Um, my fourth bold prediction, and some people are like, oh, it seems simple, but let's let's talk some um, semantics here, people. Joey Gallo right now is the – 42nd outfielder off the board to pick 158 in the main events. And that's been climbing because of his outstanding spring performance where he's hit six homers, hit 310. He's doing Joey Gallo things, still striking out 14 times. So he's doing Joey Gallo things. He, we've got to be feeling good about that. My bold prediction is he hits over 50 home runs this season. And people go, oh, that's nothing. That's Joey Gallo. I said, no. Have you seen Joey Gallo's page? Because he he's at 40. He's at 41 when he's played 145 and 148 games. That's when he hit 206 and 209. <laughs> Other than that, 22 homers, he hit 253, but he only played in 70 games. Last year, he hit 10 home runs, plus the dead in baseball and a pitcher's ballpark potentially that he's in, given the dead in baseball will not affect Joey Gallo. The ballpark does not affect Joey Gallo. Like, there's certain people that just – Joey Gallo is not going to get affected by those things. But I believe – I believe because he's healthy, um, and I, I I feel bad every time I mention this. There was a great article on Pitcher List, and I forget the author of it. He broke down the problems of Joey Gallo last season in the shortened season. He changed his approach. The pitchers changed their approach to him, and he was just lost. Plus, he, I believe he had a wrist injury. Obviously, affects your power that way. So there's a couple things that took place there because you look at some of the Savant stats. They still resembled good stuff, but like similar to what he's done in the past. But the power wasn't there, and a lot of it was the injury and the different pitch mix. He adjusted to that. He's healthy now. He's um he's not trying to tinker with his stance like he was last year. And it's kind of shown. I know spring is spring, but I still take those little things. We talk about guys looking healthy. Kai's doing certain things. He at least looks like Joey Votto. He strikes out half the time when he's hitting home runs. That's Joey Votto. So he's doing that. 50 home runs would be insane this year. I'm just going to say that right now. It'd be almost be as insane as 200 innings pitched. So Joey Gallo, 50-plus home runs. Bold prediction. Nice. What's his oh, batting oh, average? Smata says 60. Smata says 60. Smata's trying to one-up you. He's trying Thank to one-up you. He says 60? It's okay. It's okay. Wow. I like it. I like I it. I mean, that's Bubba, cool. I thought your prediction was bold, but that's more bold right that's there. That's very bold. That's very bold. It's like, that's, that's like being Cor- that's Corbin Burns bold. That's six-fifths um, bold of what you did. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when it comes to um, his batting average, I got him, I'm going to say 245. That might be more bold than the home runs. Wow. That might be more bold than the home runs. But I think if he hits two, say if he hits two forty plus fifty is very realistic, like yeah. very realistic. So I just think there's something about him. And the other thing is, let me double check before I really spout off. The dude's going to be he's twenty seven years old. Like he's not even that old. He could be like, wow. finding his groove. Like you look at Joey Gallo, he looks kind of bigger. You think he's older? He's twenty seven. Like so he turned twenty seven in November. He's, he's going to be twenty seven all year long. I, I I I like him a lot this year. So we'll see. I the biggest, I the biggest, he's thirty. Yeah, I would have guessed in his early 30s for sure. The biggest detriment to him is the team around him. But he can't right. he, he he can't do anything about that. Oh man, so they're going to be stealing bases like crazy. They're oh, going to be like, like 
50-20. It's going to be Joey Gallo. Like, I can see it, the poster, when they make the postseason. It's going to be like uh, Jim uh, uh, Joey Gallo as, like, uh, what's Paul Bunyan? Is that right? Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Him with axe and, then, and everything. Or, like, as Gulliver. Oh, and then it's, like, all the, all the, like, little, like, speed running around like Nick Solak and Leody Tavares and Isaiah Kiner Falefa <laughs> and Willie Calhoun they're not going to be low too they're just going to be like running around the bases like Lilliputians oh, you know something else. something else there's some literary references for yeah, all of you. that was well done that was well show, done show up to the pod way, for literary way above Justin Mason's head so well done there <laughs> uh, what's your fifth bold prediction uh, my bold pre- my fifth bold prediction and my final bold prediction and um this is going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, I have worn my Blue Jays hat today because, as everybody knows, I am, if not, um, I am a huge Blue Jays fan, and I am a fan of many of their hitters. Um, however, uh, one person who I think is incredibly overrated, who has not done anything so far in his career to justify the hype or the average draft position that he currently holds is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Now I don't have anything. I I don't have anything negative. I don't have any hard feelings uh, for Vlad Jr. And I'm going to keep this bold prediction short because, you know, I've talked about Vlad Jr. all the time. But I'm just going to go on record. One of my bold predictions is that Vlad Jr. currently going as the first baseman four. That's right. The first baseman four. The guy with the below league average home run per fly ball rate. The very much higher than league average ground ball rate. Um is going as your first baseman four in drafts this year, ladies and gentlemen. The guy with very limited speed, who has yet to crack, I think, 280. Am I right or am I wrong on that one? I think he hit 278 last year. I think you're close. Let me pull it up. Okay, you can confirm with this. He will, he is going to be. Yeah, 262, 262 last year, 272 in 2019. Oh, a two, oh he hit 272 last he hit 272. Ago. Oh, I'm going to change this bold prediction right away. I mean, my God. I, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just giving people a hard time. There's, there's every reason to believe that Vlad Jr. can be a phenomenal generational hitter. I just don't see it. And so I'm going to say that Vlad Jr. finishes outside the top 10 first basemen this year in rotisserie fantasy baseball value. First baseman four right now in drafts. I say he finishes outside the top ten. I I can't disagree. I I, I hope he doesn't because he'd be awesome to watch. It's gonna be amazing. Plus your Twitter timeline will be freaking fireworks. But um, yeah, it's, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. That's all I can say. Like, I want him to be good, but you your points are always accurate, so I'm not gonna I, disagree with you there. It's just I mean, the, God, the I want is, him to be good. The thing is, if you, I mean, like. I try to do the research. I do yeah. the analysis, and I that's look what I'm at saying. The data. I can't disagree with what you're saying. Like it uh, all makes sense. So totally. Like- <laughs> well, this is just my like. This is my caveat that I'm going to put in there, just so that when I'm eating a crow pie or whatever, like the various metaphors are for just being absolutely wrong, is I look at the data. I try to understand this narrative. I try to understand the story. 
And at this point in time, I think it takes far too dramatic changes in Vlad Jr.'s underlying metrics for him to get close to what he's going in terms of ADP. Yeah, I could everyone, be absolutely wrong, but I don't think I am. Well, and everyone was all excited about his increased launch angle in spring training, but by the end of spring training, it was back down to normal or below normal. So that just changed. Real. I, I, I almost tried. I almost tweeted it to you the other day, but I didn't. He hit his home run a couple nights ago, and it, it was like a line drive that barely got out of the stadium. It was like if it was like two feet lower, it's off the wall. It was just. I mean, the thing about him is like, so like Cattell Marte had a dramatic decrease in his launch angle two years ago, right? In 2019, he he dropped his launch angle like nine degrees or, or no, uh, his ground ball rate, 9%, I think, something like that. Seven to 9%, which is one of the bigger ones like we've seen in recent memory. If Vlad Jr. were to do that, if he were to decrease his ground ball rate by 9% from last year, again, small sample, he would still have a 44% ground ball rate, which would be higher than league average ground ball rate. And he has yet to show that he can have a home run per fly ball rate that is higher than the league average. So again, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be fun. My fifth bold prediction is the 22nd second baseman drafted in main events at pick 228. He is 26 years old. He's going to start for the Seattle Mariners. His name is Ty France, and Ty France is a guy that hit 27 homers in the minors in 2019, 17 in, or 22 in 2018, a little bit of speed, but in the minors, he always hit for a pretty decent average, and we even saw a 305 average in 2020 in his small sample size. It doesn't strike out too much, 22, 23%. I like that. We've seen the spring just go off the charts. So my bold prediction, Ty France finishes with – a 280 average, 25 plus home runs, and is a top five fantasy second baseman in 2020. Wow. So, yeah, I, I, I said you, you can do the, the slight bumps. I'm going to go bold, and I'm saying top five fantasy second baseman, which to me is not that bad considering the second base landscape. If he gets 25 home runs or more, which he very well could, he legit could be a top five second baseman. When all things are said and done, he's not going to steal a ton of bases. Like if he slides in with five steals, you're over the moon happy with that. But middle of the order, 25 plus homers, which will give him probably 75, 80 plus RBIs, a solid average. Give me Ty France, and he's so cheap in drafts. Like he's going up. Don't get me wrong, but he's going up. So give me and Smata, you are wrong. But give me um, give me a Ty France, top five second baseman, 25 plus home runs, 280 average. Um. And for those who, who are listening to the pod, Smada in the chat put Marmalejos is better than France. Yeah. Take so, your Marmalejos somewhere else. Uh, Francophiles out there, you know, go after go after Smada. Yeah, go after Smada. Um, Justin wants us to send him the link to the live stream. And I'll, you're in the live stream, Justin. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, so, yeah. But um, let's talk about some listener listener bold predictions because those are our five. Um, we have a couple that have come out in the chat. I will put them on the screen because they came in and talked. So James DeViglio says, Akil Badu pushes his way into the lineup and puts up big poppy numbers. That is bold. The lineup part I could see, the poppy numbers, bold. Do you have any thoughts on Badu? Because like people have asked me about him and 
He's had an awesome spring. He hasn't played much above high A. Maybe he did some good stuff at the alt site last year. Um, they have to keep him because he's a rule five pick. Otherwise, you lose him. So he's going to be on the roster. Maybe he strikes gold, but it's hard for me to make a commitment to a guy that really, like, like you want to see it with Vlad. At least we've seen something with Vlad. We haven't seen anything with this guy. Mm-hmm. So, like, do you have anything on him? Because people are trying to spend money on him right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't have a ton to add. I mean, I just looking at his projection, I mean, it's not every day you see a guy who's projected to hit 199. Yeah, he's taking um, but, everybody by storm, basically. But but that being said, I mean, I think he does have like what I would say is the ingredients. I don't know if he has big poppy ingredients, but he's got some power. He steals some bases as well. So also in that um, uh, much 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 badoo about nothing. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, he's got some of the ingredients right that you would look for with the power, speed, and 179 plate appearances. His projection is five home runs and four stolen bases. You know, so like 15, 15, um, or even better than that in six turn plate appearances. The problem is when you hit 199 and when you have the Woba that he'd have with his strikeout and, and, and walk rates, respectively, is you just, you're not in the lineup to be able to produce that. So again, like those are the types of guys I think late, late, late speculations and drafts, which are great just to see how, how they go, like what happens with them. But, um, you know, and so it's, it's a, it's a great bold prediction. Big Poppy seems a little, aggressive maybe if you said like 15 15 you know that would still bring a lot of value with a decent batting average so let's hope for that and and we'll see what happens but another interesting name to uh uh to, to monitor for all yeah. of us it'll be fun uh james has another one reese hoskins compete for the triple crown thanks for coming near and dear to my heart i don't think he can hit a batting average title but or, uh, or a stolen bait just runs in RBI, yeah, yeah, so yeah, we're yeah, good yeah, there. Yeah. Our home runs in RBI. I'm thinking road or triple crown for me. Hey, we have a special guest bold prediction coming in. Oh, Ooh. wow. <laughs> Justin Mason is in here. He's all up in our stream. Who let this guy in? Sorry, sorry. My bad. My bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can also kick him out, though, so it's okay. Are yeah, you going to talk trash on, on, on our show? I would never. I would never. I love you guys. <laughs> I'm super excited to uh, face Toby in the main event once again. This year, I believe I will come out on top. You you won the league last year. This, this is my year. So but you, you finished fourth, I believe, and it was only a last minute. It was the second to at last at bat of the season. Eugenio Suarez got a hit, and I dropped a uh, hundredth point in average. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to go from thirteen hundred dollars cash to zero in that league, so it, Un- unforgiving. Yeah, it was brutal. I th- I think if it had been a full hundred sixty two game season, I would have maybe challenged you for first. Uh, my team was really getting hot, and then just had one bad day at the end and fell out of the money. But uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to. I love doing that last draft of the season. We have all mm. the information we're ever gonna mm. have. Um, and that's why I sign up for that one. So no injured players are going to be on that team. I can promise you that, Toby. <laughs> Just so. jinxed himself right there. Yeah, now I'm, I'm those players from my Justin Mason player pool that I have. There you, you know, go. My competitors. Uh, Someone's going to cut their hand, breaking apart frozen hamburger patties like Jeremy Affeld or something. <laughs> so uh, a bold prediction. You guys want a bold prediction? Yes. That's why. Yes, prediction. bring it. All right. All right. So I'm writing up my bold predictions article for opening Wait, are day. you doing the funny ones 
Uh, well, shh, that's a, that's a oh, different sorry, thing. Sorry, don't, sorry, don't, sorry. Don't, don't worry about that. that no one, that, listens, uh, to the, no one yeah. listens to the show. It's okay. Yeah, no, no, not, not tens of thousands of <laughs> rabid fantasy baseball fans or anything. Here, be, I will give you my bold prediction in the form of a question, okay? Mm. I'm going to give you two player, predict, uh, uh, sorry, two player projections. Player A, 15 home runs, 25 stolen bases, a 256 batting average, right? Player B, 18 home runs, 21 stolen bases, a 275 batting average. They're both outfielders. Okay. Okay. Have any idea who these guys could be? Can you repeat 15, that again, 25. please? Is this a projection system projection? Or it is a projection system projection. So 15, 25. And, and who's two, the other one? And what was the batting average? 256. Okay. Um, and then the second one is 18, 21. 275 for me that would probably be um probably be robles the no. first one no? no it's not he's like 17 and 22 or something this one's a little tricky because it's not a projection system you're used to looking at it's probably so, mason's projection system no this is oh. steamer 600 oh. oh steamer 600 so you're doing oh. player um, player a is manny margot that's your boy. That's your boy. Is Starling Marte? Hey, I've been taking Margot a lot of places as well, so I'm I'm on the boat with you. My my prediction is uh, is Manny Margot will be a 1530 player this year. Wow, that'd be awesome. That's bold. I'll take 1030, but 1530. I look forward to drafting him. Well, before Age of Keys, main event. I got sniped on him in uh, I think the 19th round in my first main event. I tried to push it to closer to his ADP, Phil Dessau, uh did not let that happen. I, I swore very, very loudly uh, mm. on my live stream during that moment. So we're just adding people left <laughs> and it's right. A party. Yeah, we're not going to be here all night. I'm guaranteeing you that right now, but we can have B- some fun. Bubba's still got to record a DFS show tonight, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I got to write, write three articles. Yeah. My bold prediction is this podcast doesn't end in an hour. Honestly, I can. You, 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 did, you weren't going to get an invite because you don't. You, like, I you know don't you understand were. how this works, Mike. I mean, you do, but he, this guy over over he, here, whichever I can't do it. There, that guy over that way, oh, he, he pulls the strings. Yeah, it's all good, man. So, do you got a bold prediction, Curlin? Um, I don't know if it's bold anymore because I actually saw Simeone said it, but I'm really strongly believing in Savale outproducing Plesak straight up this year. Like I'm I like, that. like, I like that a lot. it's maybe it's bold for a lot of people. But for me, it seems like legitimately something we could see. So it's not as bold. Maybe it's not bold for our circle, but it's pretty. I mean, look at ADPs. They're looking. It's 150 picks separate separating them on average, roughly. So that's like one that comes to my mind right away. I just was surprised you sent me the link. So I really was like, oh, what am I gonna say? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, that's I mean, the one that comes Bubba is a man of the people. Yes. I mean, yes. it's well, the final he, episode before the season starts. He, Let's have a little fun here. If he, was <laughs> a man, if he was a man of the people, I wouldn't be on this podcast because nobody wants to see me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's think about it this way. Let's have a fun police act one here. Over under 22 and a half home runs he allows this year. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, he's already allowed six and yeah, seven. Like eight innings or something. Brad Radke, he holds like the record, right, for most home runs in a season or something like that. I remember he well, got Only you would spot. know that. 
Yeah, yeah so, that is such a that is such a Toby stat right there, yeah. <laughs> which yeah, I love. That's a Toby. You want, you want to know my comp? I I, I dropped uh, earlier today for uh, Plesak. Um, I said he he is the now modern day version of Masahiro Tanaka, right? So he can be a really effective pitcher and still give up home runs because he yeah. does have very good control, so he can get to the zone. The problem is he does not have elite command inside of the zone and so he's gonna give up home runs when he can't locate that command that being said especially in 2021 he actually has a fairly safe floor because the indians will let him go we saw them do it in almost every single one of his starts last year just go deep into games so he's gonna rack up a ton of innings which means a ton of strikeouts i do do believe he'll be a strikeout and inning type guy and he'll probably go for like 190 200 innings so He's going to have a lot of value, even if the ratios, especially in the ERA department, aren't what you necessarily want. With Plesak, the funny thing about him is, and how, and kind of like a devil's advocate thing, I was, I was just messing with Twitter. Of course, I had to play with Twitter a little bit last night, so I was tweeting out, I tweeted out a poll just to see, kind of gauge the general consensus in terms of concerns and whatever. But what I re- what I ended up putting out was he had, you know, Plesak's had six spring training starts, right? And yes, yeah, spring training we're not supposed to over like think about it too much like oh it's spring training but he he's coming off a season where we vaulted him into initially like what a top 60 pick thank you dave mcdonald a top 60 (laughs) pick overall like for a good amount for a good amount of draft season and that was based off eight starts so the the sample sizes aren't even that much of a different difference in terms of starts maybe innings pitch is obviously a little different but still we're talking about an eight-start sample for Plesak against a really bad division against players that the more I read, the more I'm dismissing 2020. So many players complained about not having this, not having that, crazy routines, different schedules, COVID screwing things up. And you're starting to see a lot of these players that were good in 2019 be good in spring training, so it's a little optimism. So I, I was playing devil's advocate because obviously it's spring training. I think Plesak's working on a different curveball anyway or something anyways on top of everything else. But it was still like, well, why are we so harsh? Why, why aren't we being a little more harsh on police acts spring training when we vaulted them up so highly based on eight starts on such a crazy season? There's a, it's a very similar discussion, I think. Yeah. It's very, well, very and I think one, one thing as I was looking into police act too is if you look at his rolling average graph, he actually had like from a skills perspective a pretty similar um, period of time, period of starts um, in his rookie season as he did – in his, in the season last year. And then he got blown up. And when you look at his, when you look at his Babbitt, when you look at his, you know, um, his strand rate, I mean, they're all, they all scream regression, right? And the question, question is regression to what? I think to your point, Justin, like the control is good. He's not going to walk a lot of guys, but I question whether he, he does have, you know, whether he is going to be as effective because like you, 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 for a narrative perspective, you ask what has changed from Black from Zach Plezak from 2019 to 2020. His fastball velo went down, and yet his secondary pitches improved dramatically. None of them stand out from like a spin rate perspective. None of them stand out from a velo perspective. None of them stand out at all. So the question becomes: What was the difference that made those pitchers better? pitches better last year. And I just don't see a reason for it happening, which is not to say he couldn't be really good, but I just, I want to, I want to understand the narrative for how he got there. You know, whereas with these other guys like Jordan Montgomery, also velo bump of about a mile and a half, you know, two miles per hour last year, 
So I buy a little bit more into what, you know, the hype that's, that's around him and he's shooting up drafts. I mean, yeah. he's a 10th rounder now, which, which, you know, it's insane. Yeah, no. yeah. It's, in, it's insane, but it's also FOMO, like FOMO for Joe. Really smart people were drafting him in, in the 10th round, you know, um, by Casey Chop. And okay. So I'm going to steer, steer the ship here. I'm going to steer the ship because we're not going to be here all night. So okay. um, here's a bold prediction from a listener, Matt, uh, the richer, Jake Bowers' breakout season. I know this no. will ring a bell for someone, so take the floor, Toby. Well, let me take you back. Is he related to you by chance? I, I can't. I can't even. <laughs> I, I can't even um, remember. I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2019. I think he debuted in 2018. Great with the Rays. The Rays traded him. Should have been a warning sign. Uh, for Yandy Diaz, although Diaz hasn't really done much uh, much there in Tampa either. Uh, but I mean, for me, I loved him. It was a huge, it was a bold prediction of mine that I think he was going to go 2010. He had some speed, had a little bit of power, had a decent max exit below. And then the then real Jake reality, Bauer showed up. Reality <laughs> showed up. You know, like the same force that will get Zach Plesak this year. Got Jake well, Bauer. I mean, it's reality. It's, I mean, listen. I mean, not everybody can be a Vlad Guerrero Jr. or, or Fernando, <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr. and live in the shadow of their father, like who you know was such a great you know player or person. And it's hard for Jake Bowers to live up to Jack Bowers' name. For I mean, sure. It's, I thought you were going to say Trevor Bauer. I was going to say Trevor Bauer. He's 24 hours, Justin. He's trying to swing changes in 24 hours. I, like, bet, I bet you Trevor Bauer threw that ball over center field wall farther than Jake Bowers has ever hit the ball. I guarantee you. So, like, you, that comp would be welcoming for Jake there Bowers. Let's see. Fake Walter says, breakout season 2-20-15-5. and five. Is that realistic, guys? That really hey, is. I, in I an don't OBP know. league, in a deep I, OBP league. I don't I know if you'll get the plate appearances. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the under on 15. <laughs> oh, that's too good. That's too good. Okay. Do you guys want to stick around and, and critique all the listeners' ones, or you guys want to – I'm going to take off. I was. Just, okay. I didn't even think you were going to send me the link. I'll give you know. one more bold prediction on my way yeah. out, though. What do you got? Right. Steven Strasburg will not be a top 50 pitcher this year. Outstanding. I watched every single pitch in his last outing. He was sitting in the, in the first two innings. He was sitting like – 90 to 92 hit 94 once in the in the last two innings of that start he was sitting 88 to 90 do you mean he might need that tendon after all yeah i, I don't i don't <laughs> think this is going to work out well for him it, it was he and he had no control you know i mean the only reason he even got through as many innings as he did was because the astros were taking really really poor at bats and victor robles saved him on multiple occasions with amazing plays in the outfield mm. Nice. Bold, bold, nice. bold pre- prediction uh, attendee, Victor Robles. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's I, guy. Literally, I, I wrote down the velocities of every <laughs> single fastball he threw in yesterday's outing. Um, and, yeah, it was uh, it was really, really scary. And he looked like he was struggling and he could not find the zone. Um, you know, it just – it was – it's going to be a really, really ugly season for Steven Strasburg. Yep, cool. for sure. Can't blame you there. Like that one a lot. Well, thanks for joining us, Justin. Always appreciate Justin, it, my friend. I'll see you, Great you guys. Should be fun. I'll be there. Thanks, sir. All right. See ya. Bye.
All right, Curlin, do you want to? Are you sticking around? Or are you going to go? I'm going to go. I'll just leave you on one with one last one as well. Uh, okay. I think Ronald Guzman's going to outproduce Nate Lowe this year. I mean, okay, I'm, you're leaving. How dare you? You're how leaving. Dare you? I'm, so, I'm, I'm so, dude. We just got done talking about how the Rays dealt Jake Bowers, and that was a warning sign. The Rays dealt Nate Lowe. Shouldn't that be the same warning sign? Yes. <laughs> I didn't think yeah. about that, Mike. I didn't yeah. think about curling, that. Curling, curling. Oh, cheesecake, cheesecake says take it back. I, I almost want to listen to him, but it's but I can't. It's too late. I already said it. It's, no, it's, it's, a, already it's a great point. I do have Nate Lowe as like my corner infielder. I think on two main event teams. So <laughs> I hope he does. Uh, I hope he does better better I'm, than Jake Bowers does. I'm just scared, man. I mean, and spring training shouldn't mean much, but he struggled with strikeouts in spring training, and we've seen that. Mm-hmm issue with multiple players in the past yep. carry into the regular season. So that's where I'm at. Maybe it won't, maybe I shouldn't be overly concerned the way I am with Nate Lowe, but I have, I think one share in a very early best ball league might be Bubba's best ball league. I grabbed him <laughs> before he even got traded. That's how early of a share I had. And I just, I, I, I want to believe cause he had yeah. like one or two good years in the minors, but there's a reason the Rays let him go. And he hasn't done anything at the pro level to suggest that he's not going to be better than what a 250, 25 home run guy. That skill set isn't very sexy. Guzman could do that playing the outfield. I just don't understand. So it wouldn't surprise me. And there's a path to it. Apparently, Guzman's made some changes in his approach, changes in his mechanics, has a more has more passion to play the game than ever before. So I'm going to ride that narrative. And he, I also have a lot more shares because of how free he was in drafts. So it's now a little personal bias. The truth comes out. A little personal bias. But I, I think it's as, as crazy as it sounds, I think it's honestly actually like there's a 10 to 15% chance it happens. I like to give bold predictions that have somewhat of a chance. And I think this one is a more, it's a bolder take, but there actually is a little, a little bit, a little, little bit of hope in my opinion. So we'll see. But, yeah, that's all happen. I wanted to say. It could happen. Well, anything can happen. It's baseball. That's why we love yeah. it. Opening day yeah. is coming. Guys, thank you for having me on. I was not expecting this. <laughs> no I'm going to go. I'm going to go. hopping in. I'll do it. Yeah. you kidding Dave. me? I love baseball. I love this. I love talking yeah. to you guys. But and thanks, oh, for, thanks, for, thanks for the spring training lineups. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Obviously. Walter McMichael ends us with bold prediction, neither Nate Lowe or – uh, Ronald Guzman will matter. That's uh, probably the most accurate thing said yeah. of this whole conversation. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. thanks, Walter. All right, guys, you have a good night. Take it yeah, easy, Mike. Mike. Thanks yeah, for having us. Of course, thank you for having. All right, Will Fake Walter had another one that I actually like quite a bit. Jonathan India is mm. a top ten second baseman. I think that's a realistic one. I I grabbed him in TGFBI this week uh, for seventy six doll hairs and uh, and Fab and. Uh, it was crazy to see the differences that he went at for different leagues, but he's jumping up ADPs. He'll be going really high in yours, but I, I think that's a realistic one. Like he's got, he's got fifteen fifteen upside if he plays every day. So I like that quite a bit. But all right, now we'll go quickly through the listener ones. We have quite a bit of them, but some of them are more trolling than anything. So we really don't have a lot of comments. <laughs> and we're going to start with the. We first don't have one any got- trolls that that follow our podcast, Bubba. And I'm going and I'm going straight in the order they came in. So there's no right. priority mail here. But um, the only priority is if you do it in the chat, you come on the screen. Um, David Mendelson, our buddy from Triple Play Fantasy. Vlad Jr. wins AL MVP and thanks Toby during his acceptance speech. How do you how do you win AL MVP when you suck? <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Love you, David. Uh, yes. Brian P. Vogel. We know Vogel. He likes to troll things. But this one, this one's kind of a – I think it's he believes it, but it also feels trolly because of conversations that have been happening on Twitter lately. <laughs> Tommy Edmond outproduces Randy Rosarena. <laughs> well, hey, I, 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 I rostered a bunch know, of them. I'm, I'm so. an Edmond fan. Yeah. 
Although I don't have him on any team, so maybe or I don't have him on any uh, main event team, so maybe I'm not as big a fan. But um, I could totally see that happening. Sure. Yeah, I have. I've lost. Like I said it last week, I have a ton of Edmund, and I'm starting to get a lot of a Rosarena. So if they're both really good and one just outdoes the other, I'll be happy. Um, I mean, there's a world where it's like he scores 100 it, runs, 12 yeah, to 15 home runs, and 20 stolen just, bases. Exactly. And Rosarena just kind of hits that rookie wall. Like that's really realistic. It's very, very possible. And then he gets raised, and he's now the fourth outfielder. Um, uh, wake up at wake up one through nine says, "Will Tony Gonsolin end the year as a top thirty starting pitcher?" I say he's got the stuff to do it, but I say no because the Dodgers will mess with his innings. What's a yeah, yeah? I mean, finishing as a top thirty starting pitcher is very difficult. Um, and so, I mean, you think about it, all the aces that we always talk about—that's like you know, 20 starting pitchers or something like that. And so you've got to really kind of uh, get into that upper echelon. So I think it'll be hard, like Bubba said, for volume for him to get there. But I agree. I mean, he's got phenomenal skills. He's got the, the repertoire, like, uh, to be very successful. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are already messing with him, right? Yeah. Having Dustin May and, you know, his inability to strike people out um, ahead of him in the, Crazy. in the rotation. Yeah, Price and Gonsolin of the pen, May 5th starter, but – like I tweeted out, it's pretty much a revolving door. There's just going to be those guys switching around. And I think a beat reporter said he doesn't foresee any of the five starters throwing more than like 165 innings. So it's going to be a mess, an absolute mess, as we kind of expected, though. Um, this one is extremely bold. Dave Swan, great guy, at the Vithius on Twitter. The San Diego Padres finish outside the top 12 in offense. Bold. That is bold. <laughs> in the major leagues. Have you seen yeah. the major leagues? Have you seen major league? No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's the thing possible, is, but yeah. yeah. Well, and I think like what makes it possible is we had a short season last year. Right. Okay. And so let's say that Eric Cosmer does not perform as well as he did last year. And he comes back to earth, which I think is a likely outcome. Right. Um, I don't know if the launch angle revolution he had was really all that real or just he happened to at the start of the season, um, have one of his rolling periods of, of low ground ball rate. Jay Cronenworth, right? He's He might be batting second in that lineup, right? Tommy Pham could easily get injured or just ground out, ground, hit so many ground balls that, you know, um, he he doesn't, he's not as successful. Will Myers could get hurt. And that's pretty much the only way Will Myers isn't the best yeah. player in baseball. Um, I have, I have the much. last like four drafts, I think I've drafted Will Myers in each of them. Like it, yeah. it's getting kind of disgusting, but I, I feel good about it actually. So yeah, I've, I've actually gotten him in two. I got him in one main and then in one of my big high stakes leagues, uh, we also drafted him. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I like what he's been able to do. And if you look at what he did last year, he's been good. I think the challenge with it is just Tatis and Machado are mm-hmm. so good, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they are so good. And they get to play like nine or ten games in Coors. That alone can like catapult them into <laughs> with that offense. So it's a bold. Like if he gets that one yes. right, I would take a I would take a massive victory lap on that one if you got that one I, right. That's... I, I could definitely see their offense being not as well as advertised. I think not yes. being twelve tw- top twelve might be a challenge. But I also yeah. think it's because they do have a lot of good OBP guys. So even if yep. they're struggling. Like Cronenworth's a great OBP guy. Fam is a great OBP guy. And a lot of guys that'll run to produce runs. Like they, we've watched the, them even last year. They move guys over. They hit sack flies. Like they're a good baseball team. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Dander Bogarts. This is a 100% troll 
unless he believes Corey Seager is going to get injured again. He says Kyle Seager logs 250 total bases more than Corey Seager. <laughs> like, I'm now, sorry. Gander Bogarts is formerly at Sandy Casimir, I think. Oh, okay. Um, and really smart baseball, ball, baseball guy. Um, big Rays fan. Uh, puts out a lot of really good, um, like, rolling Woba and true Woba um, graphs out. So very smart, but I agree. Uh, I think there's a belief that it, that Corey Seager will get injured in there, which, yeah. you know. It's happened a lot. Happened yeah. a lot. As somebody who him. does not have any shares of Corey Seager yep. in any league this year, um, you know, yep. I don't want, I don't, res- I don't wish injury on anyone. 100% agree. Uh, well, Smata, one of Smata's, I think, three or four predictions he sends us. Willie Castro, 25, 10, and 290. Um, I think that's, that's interesting. It's probably bold because we haven't seen it yet, but I think that could be interesting. I'm not going to say no, that's for sure. I don't believe as much as Smata does in Castro. I think his plate discipline is is really bad, um, and I don't know if that's going to play. Um, that is my one issue with him. He had an incredibly high BABIP. You know, we all know that. Um, I think when that comes down to a realistic uh, place, I just don't know if the contact skills will be good enough to um, be successful with that because very, very few people have been successful. Players with that level of chase have been successful um, uh, consistently. So um, I don't necessarily believe it, but I know there's a lot of hype around him for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, J-Dub at J-Dub the Gamer says, David Fletcher, top 100 value overall, not just position players. Uh, Let me – Real quick, I'll just to, to see where he's at overall. In the month of March, in NFBC main events, he is 255th player. So that'd be a pretty good jump. Um, if he gets any semblance of power, I could see it. Because he's going to get on base a lot. He's going to score a lot of runs. He's going to steal a decent amount, like 15 bases maybe. If he gets any power, it's interesting. You don't believe in him at all? I don't believe in him at all. I think that's a pick where people are like – they're desperate for batting average and they want to get him, which I think is fine. He plays like four positions. <laughs> he plays like four positions. So yeah. he's nice to have on your bench, but let me just say, so in 1200 plate appearances in the major leagues, 1200 plate appearances. So two full seasons, he has 10 home runs and 13 stolen bases. Yeah. Vlad, Vlad so looks at his launch angle and says, no... Fine. yeah, Vlad laughs What's at that? his launch. Vlad laughs at his launch angle. Yeah, and I mean, and this is not a criticism because these are bold predictions, right? And so, um, but for me, it's like he has no value without home runs or speed. Um, even if he can hit for batting average, just wait and gra- grab Arias and hope he gets a, a spot in the Twins lineup. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If he can get home runs, I could see it. it he hasn't done it yet, and it's he hasn't shown that he's going to do it, which is scary. But if he does, he'll jump quite a bit. Um, cork at Z Corky underscore. This is one of a bunch we have here. For C.J. Cron, 35-plus homers, 280-plus average. I believe in the homers, the average may be a little lower, but it's not unrealistic in Coors where the average bump happens. So I believe it. If he, if he plays all season, 35 is happening pretty easily for me. Yeah, I think the home runs could definitely happen. I think the batting average could happen as well. Um, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think it's a very reasonable prediction. Yep, very, very reasonable. Is that a, thing, uh, a Dave, very reasonable bull prediction? Yeah, we're going to let it go tonight. Yeah. Um, at Dave Petroziello, 
Uh, he has first. He has Crone uh, hits forty homers. Okay, that's getting a little bolder than thirty five, but you never know. Um, and then he has Corbin Burns outperformed his ADP. His ADP is forty five mm. in the uh, in the main. So Shimano would agree with you. Yeah, I just don't yeah. know if he's going to have enough innings. I mean, the thing for me with uh, with Coors, Coors actually isn't a home run park. I mean, that's the thing about the home run bar bold predictions with Crone is like it's not really a home run park. Um, I, I, it may be a little bit plus, but it's not actually, it doesn't boost home runs that much. It's the runs that it boosts and the batting average. Um, so I think the higher you get, the less likely it is to happen, but he's certainly crushing the ball. So 35, 40 is, is within the realm of possibility. I think the challenge is his ADP has gotten to such a level, right? Where he's yeah, now a top, a ton. he's a top 100 guy that it becomes really challenging you know, without him hitting a higher higher end of his range of outcomes for him to um, to be worth it, but certainly possible. Yep. Yes, indeed. Uh, Dan the Goat at Dan McEwen. Byron Buxton is drafted in the first two rounds next year. Um, that's interesting because right now his March main event like, ADP like is one hundred five. One hundred five. So, quick math, carry the two. That's like what round eight, nine, something like that. Um, so that's I'm quite so bad at figuring out what rounds yeah. things are. Actually, I should I should know though. So ninety pick ninety is the end of round six. So that's yeah, the so end of round seven. Six. Yeah, yep. that's a it's a five round jump at least. That's a massive jump. If he can show the power he had last year and then bring the steals and stay healthy, do all three of those things. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean, all. I think it's fair. I mean, I I would say maybe instead of being drafted in the first two rounds next year, maybe he'll return like second round value this year. Um, I could definitely see that. I think the challenge is, is there's such a, there's such a thing around Buxton now and injuries that it yeah. becomes a really difficult for, for, for people to make that jump, but it also depends on how he does it. Right. Like if he improves his approach at the plate, um, you know, and, and we see that type of thing over the full season for sure. I think it's a great prediction. Like I like the, the comp you said is, Maybe say he returns second round value because if you're going to draft him in the second round, it's almost like the Mondesi argument at that point. Like not quite the same, but similar, mm-hmm. and that that's where it gets in. And now Mondesi's creeping into the first round in some main events, which is I I couldn't sleep. I wouldn't be able to sleep with that. That's that's tough. I get it. I just it's tough. Yeah. Um, Daniel Prepos asks Freddie Peralta says Freddie Peralta stays Freddie Peralta. So, <laughs> there you go. That's that's that one. Um, we have a couple Rowdy Telez ones. This one's from oh, Nick Biscardi. On Smata's thing, Corbin Burns. Yeah. Uh, I want to love Corbin Burns as much as Smata loves Corbin Burns. And I think there's he's the one guy. He's the one guy I'm like, oh, I would love to have a little bit of that this year. But you have two more drafts to go. The cost is so prohibitive, though, yep. for me. ADP of 45. Um, I know. It's just it's so hard to 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 do that based on what he did last year even though he looks phenomenal this spring yep um, but the talent level i've never disagreed with the talent level i just don't know how far they're gonna let him go this year that's my biggest concern because where you're drafting them you need like at least 150 innings at least 150 innings and i'm just worried that we're not going to see it so we'll see um uh, at nick biscardi said the frank peralta was- one Freddie yeah. Peralta one. I could see that happening too. I mean, I think, I think he looks really good though. And I think that's worth that. I think yeah, it's worth gonna, what he's They're going to yo- yo-yo him around with Lindblom and stuff. So 
it'll be, but the the end result will be interesting to see where the, mm. where that final line sits. Uh, Nick Biscardi, Rowdy to Les, two seventy five, three seventy five, forty. Those are his uh, OBPs and slugs. Eighty, one hundred and thirty five home runs. So Who's that's this? a Rowdy to Les. Oh. So essentially, two seventy five with thirty five homers, eighty runs scored, and a hundred RBIs. He'd have yeah. to play every day. He'd have to play every day for that. Yeah, I mean, I think a, I hope it happens. A, a few things would have to happen. Yeah, I know you, you, you have loved him. <laughs> I think a few things needs to happen. I mean, I think the skill is certainly there. I think the big thing for him is is not just the playing time, but where he hits in that lineup as well. Yeah, um, it's hard to see them moving guys around for that, mm-hmm. but you know, well within his skill set, I think. Um, yeah, I- do that he's one of those guys that i I keep trying to tell myself it's uh, the old baseball hq adage like ron chandler came up with it draft skills not roles like you have to it's it's, it's, we've already seen it it's taken one injury and all of a sudden now he might play every day until springer's healthy again Mm -hmm. so it's just like if you think he's that good draft him maybe things play out and he plays 140 games 130 games like if he does if he plays 130 games 25 to 30 home runs is kind of realistic so it's just uh, you have to know that going into it. If things don't work out right, he's playing a hundred games, and that's a tough guy to roster. So it, it, the talent levels there; they're just loaded. Yeah, I mean, he's probably better than Vlad Jr. If we're being honest, I mean, six hundred plate strong appearances. Side of, strong side. Six hundred plate appearances to both of them. I mean, I would probably take tell us in that. <laughs> Bold prediction number two. Um, Aaron R says James Paxton is a top twenty-five starting pitcher for the twenty twenty-one season. Who? It's possible. I'm not going to disagree. Skills I, possible. Volume. Yep, that's I the don't problem. Know if I can get there because they're doing the six-man rotation. Like yeah, they're doing a six-man rotation, which I think benefits him tremendously. But yeah, and and also that he's on a one-year deal. You know, he's trying to maximize yeah. his value. The Mariners are going to try to maximize what they can get out of him. So maybe they're just like, you know, just throw, just throw. Yeah, yeah we'll see. I, I hope he does well. I think he's a, he's a good value in drafts right now, I think, for where you're getting him. And it's, um, it's great to see him go back to Seattle, too. I feel mm-hmm. like that's home for him. I remember when I lived in Seattle, he was a pitcher there, and they love him there. They love Big Maple, and um, so it's, the, it's nice to see Maple, that reunion. I think that'll Big help. Big Maple, he belongs in Seattle. So yeah. I'm with you there. Uh, Matt Wolf at Matt4Tennis says, Alec Baum will have hit 300 plus with 110 plus RBIs and will lead all third basemen in RBIs. If he has 110 plus RBIs, I would say you're probably right about uh, leading the third baseman in RBI. It's bold because you're stealing RBIs from Hoskins and Harper, and like there's only so many to go around in that lineup. But um, we'll see. Yeah, a lot of really good OBP guys on in front of him. Um, I haven't look, looked at what they project the lineup to be there. Um, in in Philly, but yeah, so Bohm hitting fifth. You have Hoskins, OBP guy, Harper, OBP guy, JT Realmuto, greatest player on earth, and you have Andrew McCutcheon, all really high OBP guys. So I think that's a really good shout. And we've seen we saw what he was able to do last year. And while I don't think it was fully supported, like some of the Statcast metric, Statcast stuff was really impressive. So um, he could definitely get there. Yeah, it'll be quite interesting on that one. Uh, Cousin Timmy at left handed handle. Handle layup says Robert hits 30 30 with a 260 plus average. I have to strongly disagree. 
but that's just because it's, against, it's against my bold prediction. <laughs> Bubba does. I can. I think it's totally within the realm of possibility. Again, I can my, see it. Yeah. My major question with that is is the um, is the batting average, yeah. right? Um, and I think for people who saw his hot start and then saw him be unsuccessful, there was a shoulder injury that happened within there for Robert. So if if that's if that's what that was that we saw the second half of last season, then certainly he could hit the ground running. Yeah, no, I, I could see it. I, he, he's super talented, and I could definitely see it. I'm just kind of hoping against my prediction. Um, <laughs> All, Almanator at DBiscardi78 says, Domingo Herman goes 17-6 and six with a 3.75 ERA, 118 whip, and 185 strikeouts. That is bold. I think he's going to be very good, but that is a – that's 23 starts, probably 27, 28 starts. Let's just say it's no decisions. Um, and 185 Ks, that's a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, I think the challenge for me with that one is the whip for Herman yeah. a little bit um, and, the, and the ERA a little bit because the skills are there, but I think he's always been hit pretty hard. Yeah, a 158 home runs per nine, then a 189 home run per nine. But again, the skills are there. Like the O swing's great, swinging strike rate's great, the in zone contact is pretty good. But for whatever reason, he's one of these guys that just gives up really hard contact. And so I do think he could be very good, but I also think that it's hard to see him having a lower whip and ERA just because he should get, he should get, um, I think, unless he does something to change that, you know, yeah. which could happen for sure. So. Very well could. Uh, at Brit, Big Friendly Giant, what do you think of Otani's trade stock? Recent injury might make him cheap. no. Uh, it's meant to be a general question, but if you need settings, 10 teams, five by five quality starts, not wins head to head, shallow benches, I'll just say flat out the injury is not serious. So yeah. I, like they've already said, like they said they needed the skin on the blister to fall off. So it can callus. Cause all these pitchers have calluses. His blister just kind of was a weird one. So they said it actually benefits him to have that happen. Um, I'm not concerned about it. What about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest issue with Otani is in weekly leagues or semi-weekly yeah. leagues or leagues where you can only have him as a hitter or a pitcher, I think it's very, very incredibly challenging for him to be a beneficial part of your fantasy equation. And so um, so with that being said, like if it's if it's a daily league, then I would go after him. If it's not a daily league, I would stay away from him because I think it it'll be a massive headache. Um you know, in a dynasty league, though, I mean, one thing you can think about long term is if there are any other health issues related to pitching, maybe he just gives that up. And I think he becomes an incredibly elite hitter um, at that point. Um, but for right now, it's hard. It's, it's really hard to figure out long term what his value is going to be because of things that are happening. So, yeah, it could be a buying window, but, you know, especially with what you'd have to give up to get Otani or if you have him, maybe you can get something good. I, I would consider trading him. Yeah, if you could do it. That was it, a long answer. No, it's fine. Uh, Brian Jenner asks, who are the guys that are currently worth rostering but are are in your watch list to monitor early on and can become top 150 players? Big question. Um, uh, I think yeah. – did you want to – No, I'm pulling up my watches for a 12-team league real quick because it'll put my – because uh, that's the one thing about the NFPC that's nice 
if you make a watch list, it just transfers over to all your teams. So mm. I'm, I'm going to pull the 12 team up. So it'll show you everything from 12 and 15. I should probably use that feature. It's, um, I do it just because I get bored and I just go deep right now. It's helpful. Um, I think guys like Mikel Franco could be interesting. 150 might be pushing it. Um, but like if Rafael Dulles somehow takes over closing for Romano, he's in there. Same with Jose Alvarado, but you're pushing it with those two. Um, let me see. Is there anybody else that stands out? You can interrupt at any time. I'm just kind of scrolling through names. I, I mean, my general thing is I don't have anybody who's coming to the top of my mind just because I'll, I'll have more of an idea in the next fab run. But I think yeah. a lot of it is positional stuff. So looking yeah. for process-wise, looking for guys who may have a surprise role on the team. So maybe it's the batting order is different than we expected it to be. And so maybe you can project a guy for more plate appearances or like a good example would be like um, Eli White and and Leody Tavares, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think most people are probably expecting either a timeshare or Leody to have the bulk of that just because he's a higher name prospect. But let's say Eli White ends up playing like, you know, next week he plays five out of six games or something like that. Well, then, you know, then there's a little bit of interest there just because of the speed that he that he possesses, you know, or maybe he's hitting up higher in the lineup or something like that. So I think a lot of it is that or guys who come out of nowhere for closers like a good example is um, um, uh, the other Holland, uh, Derek Holland, you know, of the Tigers. He's been freaking lights out for the Tigers, like absolutely lights out. And I don't think a lot of people have him as a closer candidate just because he seems more maybe long relief. And I'm including myself within this. But if you we were going by who's been best in that bullpen, I mean, he's been the best in that bullpen. He's also an older player. He's on a regular contract, you know, so there's some incentives there as well. So maybe you're like, you want to know something? Greg Holland could be a freaking lights out or, or Derek Holland could be a lights out closer. I mean, that'd be fantastic. In fact, I should probably... I probably should have backed up my Gregory Soto spec, you know? <laughs> I think it's more like those types of roles yeah. that are shifting more than like there's a guy out there who I'm really after because if you really were into that guy before the draft, then you would have taken him in the draft because you're drafting yeah. some really bad players. I agree. Yeah, no, that's that's most of my watch list. Like Anoli Paredes from Houston to get the role. Scott Barlow from Kansas City is on my list here. Um, I have Cesar Valdez from Baltimore, who's with Tanner Scott. Keona Kella is actually getting rumored to be a chance to sneak in behind Pagan, which is crazy. Uh, Kyle Crick, another guy with your Holland take. Uh, Crick's getting a lot of love in Pittsburgh. Um, just Josh Stolmont in Kansas City if Greg Holland falters. So I have a lot of those kind of guys. Uh, I mentioned Rafael Dulles, Jose Alvarado, a lot of those kind of guys. If I had to have one position player, because I don't have a lot of position players on here, I, I really do believe in Joey Bottle this year. I really do. So – and he's not going drafted, so think about that one. In the intro teamers. Yeah, definitely. Um, Edward J. Gillis asks, breakout pitchers I targeted in a $1,400 and $10,000 auction this weekend in Vegas uh, with Vlad, Modica, Lindy, King of Queens, and Casey Chaw. The best of the best was able – he was able to get Tyon, Herman, Erod, Paxton, Tanner Scott, and both of them. Do you like any of those to break out? Um, I mean, Erod is interesting as long as the health – is, is good. I mean, he's a guy who you've gotten a severe discount because of the health related issues he's both gone through and continues to have. Um, but if he pitches, I think he'll be um, excellent. Not really in on Tyone. You know, the velo isn't necessarily there. The AL East is a little tough. He's always had problems with strikeouts um, keeping up, but he could be a good whip 
um, ERA guy, depending on where you get him. Um, Tanner Scott, you know, it's the Orioles closing gig. He still does have control issues, but he's got the wipeout slider. So he's worth a speculative ad. There was one other guy in there. I think. Um, Domingo Herman, James Paxton. James we covered Herman and Paxton. I mean, Paxton yeah. would be the one that's most interesting to me just because he is going higher up. Like, I think he's around pick 180 or 170 at this point in time. You know, he's really pushed up with those good starts he's had in spring training. But he's a guy where you know, like, if he pitches, then I think it's more likely than not that, that he'll get you value at the end of the year. The problem is, is whether he's going to pitch or not. So, you know, all these guys, like, they have skill upside. And it's just a matter of whether they're going to be healthy and pitch, which I think is a really good way to look at sleepers because yeah. if they're not healthy, then you just move on. And if they are healthy, then you, then you uh, succeed as over. a result. Yeah. You know, I, I love Erod. I've preached it time and time again. They're saying and like he threw a 35 pitch bullpen and things are fine. So hopefully it's more like, I kind of wasn't surprised he had dead arm. He took a year off basically. Like it's going to take time. Like I was, I wasn't expecting him to make every start. I just wanted him to make through the season. Like I, I, that's the realistic expectations and we're getting drafted is like a hundred picks after where he was last year. So you're kind of baking that in. So when everyone was panicking, I was like, the dude took a year off cause he had a heart condition. Do you think his arm was going to be fresh? Like, <laughs> come on people. So I wasn't too concerned about it and knock on wood. Things are looking good right now. So we'll stay there. And then I like Tanner Scott to close, but it's Baltimore. So with you there on those situations, uh, Simon P he says, Colton Wong goes 15-15 from the leadoff spot. I love it. I'm a, I'm a big Wong believer. I know you're not as big of a Wong believer, but he had an opposite field homer in, in Rangers Stadium today. So I was yeah. pretty pumped on that. Um, I, I, I love Wong. but uh, yeah, I think yeah. that's a perfectly reasonable outcome for this year, 15-15 from Wong, for sure. Uh, he has Tanner Ra- Rainey nets 30 saves. That means he kind of overtakes Brad Hand. I would love to see it. Yeah. I mean, I think Rainey's really struggled, though, right? Like, I haven't paid too spring. much attention to the spring with him because I think he Han- was injured and he Han's struggled. been getting the job done still, so it's like <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know if Daniel Hudson would be next in line there or not. not. I don't know how he's pitched this spring, but um, certainly, I mean, Rainey was phenomenal last year. So if he can carry that over and and hand struggles, like I think a lot of people think he will, then sure, possible. And then he also has Freddie Peralta flames out by May first, hits the pin. He might flame out, but I still think he's he might or might not flame out. I still think he hits the pin because he's going to go in and out of the starting rotation. I think so that that wouldn't surprise me. I think me. Freddie Peralta's really good. So do I. I think he's very very good. I think he's. I mean, he's got skills that very few people have, and he the showed third, them the off last pitch, year. The third pitch I mean, is huge. Yeah, it's huge, and you know, I mean. He was nasty as hell this year. And obviously it's different as a starting pitcher, but even when he was a starting pitcher, he had his moments. And the the weakness that everybody always mentioned was, oh, he only has the two pitches. He only has the two pitches. Well, he's got a third pitch now, and it's a pretty damn good pitch. So, um, you know, it's certainly a very distinct possibility. Don't get me wrong, but I, I really like Freddie Peralta. I, I wish I had him more, but I just don't know if I can make that jump to where he's going ADP-wise. But maybe I should. Yeah, no, I'd love that some more too, but people like him more than me, which is pretty funny. Uh, Doug Fraley Jr. says, Logan Gilbert is up by late April and establishes himself quickly as the alpha of the pitching staff. Top 25 starting pitcher on a per-start basis. I'm going to go no because it's the Mariners, and I'd be shocked if he's up by late April. And plus, he's not going to be better than James Paxton if Paxton stays healthy. That's just my two two guns there. But Gilbert's good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's always tough. Guys come up and sometimes they're really successful, but more often than not, they really struggle even 
kind of high pedigree prospects just to adjust. And they're also going to really monitor kind of his innings and how much he throws and and especially high leverage situations. So um, yeah, I mean, certainly possible, um, but I wouldn't bet too much on him making a huge impact this year, but I'm also really bad. I'm like, I'm not really good at the prospect stuff. So I'm probably not the best person to listen to. It's tough to see because they, they're they not going to be probably competing. So why are they going to bring them up early? We saw what they did to Jared Kalinick. Just remember that. So we'll see. Um, Chris, at KOP Mechanic, this is a good one. Alejandro Kirk, who made the, the Jays mm-hmm. roster, mm-hmm. finishes this year as a top five catcher. Man. That's, that's a strong statement. There. I think it's very possible, though. I mean, yeah, with his what he needs is playing time, you yeah. know? And we, we still don't know how they're going to use him. You know, I mean, he could DH. He could DH a couple times a week and cat and be the backup catcher. I mean, he is the backup yeah. catcher there, right? So he's, that means he's probably getting two to three games a week behind the dish. Maybe he gets a yeah. one he or two five more games a week. That'd be huge. Yeah, it's it could be massive. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I got my Blue Jays hat on, and I only talk well about Blue Jays hitters. You know, when I've got this hat on. So, um, but no, I think Kirk's a great, a great, a great one to target. Yeah. It just yeah, it comes down to the playing time and do the Jays like the defensive skills of Jansen or the offensive skills of Kirk. That'll be the difference. Mm-hmm. And I think I heard even Rob Silver, who's been banging the Kirk drum for a while now. I think he said it's something like they're talking fifty fifty split right now. Which if you give him fifty fifty and he starts hitting, he'll probably take Jansen over. So that's that's very interesting to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Bob Kramutula, this is uh, definitely a trolling one. Francisco Lindor hits 220 and signs for less than $100 million. I'm going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I just, Cohen's approach on this has just been so bad, man. Like, yeah, I don't know what he's trying to do. Like, apply apply additional pressure on Lindor or make him a go before like the he bad plays guy. a single game with yeah. the Mets. Like, it's a bad move. I, I didn't understand that tweet earlier today. What a what a what a disaster. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I was like, LOL. I was going to like literally tweet just like LOL and that tweet because it's just (laughs) such a, it's like, here's a guy who's used to getting every single thing that he wants, you know, like that's, that's who Steve Cohen is. And it's actually fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see how his, like, you know, how people view him and how that shifts. Right. Because he came over. He's a Mets fan. Everybody loves him. I'm going to spend a bunch of money. And he spent a bunch of money, no doubt. But he hasn't necessarily gotten the guys that, that folks really want him to get. And then if he doesn't shell out for Lindor and Lindor goes somewhere else. Yep. Whoo. It's going to be interesting. Say the least. Sign McCann instead of JT Real Muto. I mean. Idiot. Oh, um, yeah. There's your Napoleon Dynamite drop of the day. Um, Art, little cheesecake. From Triple Play Fantasy, fueled by a 350 Babbitt. This is a funny troll here. Fueled by a 350 Babbitt, Yohan Moncada hits 240. Art, not cool. Yeah, you're not wrong. Cool. You're wrong. Fueled by a 330, 350 average, he has a 460 Babbitt. What you meant to say? Yeah, oh, I like that one. I'm buying that bold prediction. <laughs> and Bat- batting cleanup for the Chicago White Sox, Yohan Moncada takes the world by storm as the first hitter. To hit 400 since that would be awesome. Yeah, that would yeah. be sweet. Not I'd be really, aboard that one. Uh, we have two more. Dream. We have two more to go. Gavin Jamison says Adrian Morahone 
makes 20-plus starts, and outperforms Joe Musgrove. Oh, Joey. Joey. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be tough volume-wise. Yeah. And Musgrove generally has a good whip. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I don't have any of Joe Musgrove really this year, just because the price is so high. Although projection systems like him a lot, there's hasn't been a lot of reports on his velo. Um, but yeah, I mean, Morion's looked really good. Yep. Um, he's it's looked very, really very good. good. So, and with pitching, you know, especially when you're talking middle tier pitchers, it can go goofy. either way. Those error bars are large. That range of mm-hmm. outcomes is large, and there's certainly one. That includes Morion being better than Musgrove. Yeah, and would, would we really be shocked if we saw Musgrove disappoint us yet again? No, unfortunately. Like, we all want him to do well, but we've seen this play out too many times. But maybe it changed. New place, new pitch mix. We'll see. Um, at Roto underscore champ nine says, no one pitches 200 innings this year. I think we get like Ooh. one or two, but that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think probably Lance Lynn will get there. Yeah. Um, the Lance Lynn, the Coles, the, the Grom, Cole, someone the Grom. in that top end is going to – at least one of them, I think, gets there. I think I think they'll get there. One of the things I think I heard on um, Rates and Barrels, I think it was Eno was mentioning, like, what made more sense to him was that whatever they threw in 2019 would be kind of the peak of what they might throw to this year as opposed to just, like, we're going to tack on 100 innings or we're going to do this. Like, maybe 2019 is is – a more reasonable uh, ceiling for the the number of innings that, that a pitcher could throw this year. Yeah. The innings thing I'm not, I guess, paranoid as some people are, because I remember what Jake Rizzi said on rates and barrels during the, uh, the COVID break, I believe it was, he said, or he told people while they were on break, they were still throwing because he's all, I'm a professional. I've thrown X amount of innings for the last X amount of years. I know how to get my arm up. He's all in reality, a down season probably benefits me. It's not like I can't ramp back up quickly because mm. I've done it. It's the guys Lower that have never done it. It's the guys that have never done it before. Like he's like, mm. our arms have done it more than once. So I'm not concerned with it. It's the ones that haven't done it. And then it, it was I don't know if it was him or someone else. Um, it might have been like Giolito or someone. He said even when the season was over, they were pitching at like high school parks or the practice facilities for like the next month, like simulating mm. games to, to get their innings up even more. So a yeah. lot of teams, not all teams, but a lot of guys, like they knew what they had to do to get ready for next season. So it wasn't yeah. like they weren't just going, off oh, screw it, we threw 50 pitches, 50 innings. Where it's gonna, no, they were pros about it. So I'm not as paranoid. Like I, There's still going to be some problems. I get it. But I'm not as paranoid as some people are on the subject. Hmm. Okay, we have one more question in the chat here. TJ Alvey. Hey, boys, how are we feeling about Casey Mize and Tristan McKenzie? I have zero shares of either one because there's so much volatility there. Yeah, I have, I'm the same way. I mean, I think McKenzie looked really good last year. Obviously, the fastball velocity faded and, and you know, the efficiency kind of faded a little bit with that. But, you know, he's got the pedigree, he's got the repertoire, and he's with Cleveland. And we know what they've been able to do with young pitchers. So I like him a lot more. Mize has really just, you know, he just really hasn't shown consistency You know, not that McKenzie has had an opportunity to really do that either, but Mize hasn't really shown the consistency. You know, he hasn't been good in spring training. He he wasn't good last year. So we haven't really seen him be good where we've seen McKenzie be good. Um, I still am not uh, targeting either one of them for teams, Um, you know, and I think it's it's kind of an approach where you kind of wait and see. I would monitor the underlying skills to see if there are shifts there that portend something a little bit 
you know, maybe better in the future, but, um, you know, not willing to pay the price for uh, McKenzie in drafts and with Mize. I mean, I think he may be going undrafted in a lot of 15-teamers. I, I can't remember. Maybe he's getting snagged towards the end. But yeah, he's, he's probably starting to go towards the end right now. What's that? He's starting to get drafted towards the end because people okay. are starting to see he's a uh, yeah because he's in the rotation right. Yep, yep, and he's had a couple decent starts towards the end. He is he just has so much like when he's off, it's ugly. Like really, like the walks are there. He gets hit hard. Like he's got great strikeout stuff, but it gets ugly quick. McKenzie, he's got good strikeout stuff too. It's just I don't know how much like like that's a guy you should be concerned about his innings. Mm-hmm. Like that's a guy. So where he's getting drafted, there's other guys around him. Where I'm like, no, I like the stability of, say, a Pablo Lopez or something like that instead of a Tristan McKenzie. So. Yeah, and one thing, though, about this type of player, I think these are the guys where they're drafted late in draft. Not not McKenzie, but just like my eyes I'll use as an example. They're drafted at late in drafts. So if they struggle early on, it's likely that they're going to get dropped. But pay attention not to the outcome, not to the result of what they're doing. Mm-hmm but to the underlying skills. Like if, 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 if Mize, for instance, comes out and in his first start, he gives up five runs and four innings with six Ks and he has a 13% swinging strike rate, let's say. And everybody's like, oh, Mize sucks. He's awful. <laughs> I'm kind of like 13% K, 13% swinging <laughs> strike rate, right? What what happened with the batted balls? Take a look at each individual batted ball that he gave up. You know, how much deserved versus undeserved was it? What was his Babbitt? Like just those things that like, you know, look at the skills, not not the outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Of what they're doing. And because those can end up being the guys that really hit is they show something early on about what they are able to do. And the outcomes don't reflect that. And so people move on. And then you then you pick them up for cheap on the on fab and you just maybe let them sit that next start and you see if, if things start to come together for them. Because it can do it quickly. That's what happened with Giolito, where you saw different skills early in the year, but people moved on because he got rocked. And what we but but if you looked at the skills in 2019, he was he was a different pitcher. So Yeah. And there it's was a question a, about Daniel Vogelbach in there. Any did Daniel uh, Vogelbach no, that, that, love? Yeah, he was doing some more bold predictions. He likes DJ Stewart. He wants to know if there's any Daniel Vogelbach love, but that's that's a playing time thing right there. I think, it, yeah, and I think it's impossible with his defense, you know, and without the DH. Like, are they going to sit Hira for Vogelbach? I don't think so. Doesn't make sense at all, right? So where does he get in? Maybe – Hira moves over to second for Wong, but then Wong isn't playing, you know? So he's yeah. not a part of their best lineup. And certainly injuries could happen and he could get a run out there, but he's so bad defensively. And they Even also it's have like, Travis, I mean, Shaw. Travis Shaw. Yeah, yeah, exactly, could move in there. So I think he's just like left-handed pinch hitter off the bench right now. That's like his he's, role. He's, he's a younger Matt Stairs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, again, it's almost like I think they want to hold on to him for the DH next year. Like, let's just let's keep him cheap because we know if we could play him 130 games at DH, we're going to love it. So it's just let's hold him so no one else gets this treat. (laughs) I think it's all it is. That's all I can think of, at least. It makes no sense otherwise. Um, But I thought TJ had another question, but he might not. So I think we're good there. I think that'll wrap it up, Toby. So final thoughts. You got two more drafts. I'm finishing one. Season starts Thursday. It's, It's been a fun. It's been long, but it's been fun. Yeah, it's been a, a really fun offseason. 
Thanks everybody for sticking with us. I mean, we do this all year round and we hope you get some value from the podcast that we did all the way back and kind of looking at what we missed or what we got right last year. And then also the, the, the preview pods that we did initially and then the preview review pods that we did as well. Really hope you got some value and that that was helpful throughout the draft. And thanks for everybody who listens and, and engages on Twitter and, and asks us questions. Like we love fantasy baseball. We love talking about it. And, and so just really um, super appreciative of that um, uh, for of all of you. So thank you for listening. And yeah, to so- you, Baba for hosting this and listening to me ramble every (laughs) weekly basis through having a new kid and like everything you've managed to have the patience to do that. So I appreciate it. It's all good. It's always a pleasure. I look forward to our weekly chats. Uh, It's always a good time. Next time we'll get to, well, next year we'll get to see each other in person, hopefully for a draft, which will be good. Maybe first pitch Arizona, Uh, get to hang out a little more. Maybe we'll do a live podcast in Arizona. Let's shoot for that goal. Let's have a goal. Ooh, a do a live, live podcast, podcast in Arizona. That Let's could like be shoot nasty. for that. That could yeah. be nasty. Yeah, but we'll make sure it's me and you and no Mason or anything like that because that just you know, <laughs> could be. A, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The more the merrier. Like we like we did tonight it was kind of fun. But uh, yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. It's been a fun off season. Um, it's why we do it. So hopefully everybody does well, and we're gonna keep it going through the season. So keep your questions coming. We'll we'll, kind of, we'll do talk. Toby's a great fab guy, so we'll actually do stuff like that and much, much more. But again, Toby on Twitter at Batflip crazy. I'm on Twitter at BD Entrick. rate and review the podcast, to- uh, Pat flip crazy podcast and the bench with Bubba podcast. And until next time, catch you guys later.